And I think the, the biggest, hardest part about you know kind of making that transition is the mental side of it. Of everyone on your team was the, the man on their college team. So you have to be able to find a way to go in the game and not force anything, but you have to be yourself. You know, you have to do what got you there. And uh, you have to be able to find a way to impact the game um, in your own way. So for me, that was the, the hardest part at first, was kind of getting used to, you know, not just being okay being out there and just wanting to be solid, but actually going out there and trying to, you know, impact the game and, and be myself and, you know, score the ball or do whatever I do. That was Luca Garza. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus. I'm on the hustle for the glory, on the grind for the crown. Not to hustle if you want to, if you do, you're going down. Oh! Great catch, great finish. Towns to go bam. Come on now. That's playing with flow. Towns for three! It is Carl Anthony Towns for quarter. certainly is. Edwards, spinning and finishing! Luca, I feel like I feel like sometimes I think of you as a Midwest guy because you're here in Minnesota, you went to school in Iowa, but really you're kind of a DC guy from Reston, Virginia, which is like 25 minutes or so west of DC. Is yes. That about right? Yes. Is that a big political town? Do you feel like political jobs and and uh, just po- politics in general is prevalent because you're so close to DC in that area? Yeah, I think that's more when I moved when I moved into DC for high school. Um, I lived in the Georgetown Arlington area uh, for from you know all through my high school years. So that's when it kind of got more political because I was more in the heart of DC. Went to school in Northwest, uh, kind of near Woodley Park area. So I was kind of around all of that. Uh, but growing up, you know, rest in Herndon, Virginia. That's you know, a little bit away from D.C., so you're kind of in the suburbs, okay. and uh, you don't have to deal with it too yeah. much. But in high school, it definitely was. Uh, okay, you know, yeah, big I've thing. I've seen House of Cards. I, <laughs> I know how that works. There's a lot going on. Uh, you come from a very athletic family, basketball mm-hmm. in particular. Your mom played Shayla. Your mom's mm-hmm. name Shayla played professionally in Europe, and she grew up in Sarajevo. Yes. Have you seen footage of her playing basketball? I have not. I've seen a, you know, now I can see her jump shot and, you know, she had a, she had a nice jumper. So yeah. I, I can tell that she had some game back in the okay. day, but uh, her and her twin sister uh, played over there in Europe for a little bit. And, uh, you know, uh, she's over there right now um, with her family and stuff like that. So um, I had read she was a good defender. Yes. And that was her best skill. <laughs> yes. No, my, her sister was a little bit more of the offensive player out of the okay. two of them. Yeah. Interesting. And your dad, Frank, played at Idaho. Yes. You have a grandpa who played at Hawaii, a yes. few cousins who play professionally now in yes. Europe, and an uncle who is the Slovenian national team's all-time leading scorer. Yes. <laughs> How prevalent do you remember basketball being as you grew up, just as part of your family? Yeah, I got to add one more in. My, my grandfather was a professional goalie and was teammates with Pele. And out of our family, um, he's probably the, you know, the most storied. Oh, really? Uh, you know, athlete sure uh, soccer player yeah growing up in sorry or growing when uh, growing up i would go to sarajevo every summer and when you'd walk around the town like people are coming up to him taking pictures stuff like that he uh, he had a bar downtown that people would always come to he he was kind of like you know uh real famous back there so wow. he's probably the the biggest athlete in the family 
uh, maybe rest in peace. But um, outside of that, everyone was basketball. And I think in general, just from his success in sports, he could teach me so much as well. Um, but growing up, it was it was so much fun. Like I said, I'd go over there every summer. So you know, my dad would come, and so I'd be able to be around my uncle, who, like you said, was a Slovenian leading scorer. And, and uh, he played at Oregon State with Gary Payton, um, tried to make it over here for a little bit, but then had a really good career uh, as a player and a coach overseas. And, you know, growing up with my cousins, they were a little bit older than me, but we were all, you know, wanting to be really good basketball players. And all three of them, like you said, are, are playing professional now. So just getting that competition this summer because, you know, I didn't have any brothers. I just had a, a sister growing up. Um, um, so it was just I didn't have that kind of basketball competition at home. So uh, when I'd go in the summers, I got to go against them and be with my uncle and work out and do different things. And that kind of started uh, my love for the game. And I had read that your dad used to collect videotapes of post players yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. Guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sure. Who else? Oh, so many. Hakeem Olajuwon, Kevin McHale, uh, Jack Sigma. I could go on, you know, for days and days. You know, my grandpa was a big fan of Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. Had seen Will Chamberlain play, and mm -hmm. and so you know, being around those two, and uh, you know, it felt like I would always hear so many stories about these guys in the post, and and uh, you know, for me, from VHS tapes, uh, you know. I'd watch them and then I'd go on the mini hoop outside and try to like put all those moves together. And I just really fell in love with the, the art of the post game. You know, it was always something that, you know, I loved. And my grandpa was at, at Hawaii, was a great post player. And, and so he taught me a lot. My dad um, was a more of a shooting post player, but he could do a lot in the post and he had a really good sky hook too. So uh, I've been trying to work on all that uh, stuff and put it into my game kind of in my own way. Um, and, you know, I'm finally starting to kind of perfect, uh, you know, some of the stuff. So you would actually watch some of these VHS tapes, like play, pause, play, pause, and try to then just immediately go outside and mimic these moves? Absolutely. You know, for me, you know, growing up, I wasn't, you know, watching a lot of Nickelodeon or anything else. Like, I was so fascinated by watching these these tapes of these stories, you know, whether even if it was Pete Maravich or his story growing up or Larry Bird or anybody, you know, Houston's runs to the titles and everything like that, you know, these were things that really interested me. So every time I watched them, I'd get so inspired. And, you know, I'd, like you said, I'd go out there and, mm -hmm. and try to, you know, do some of the moves and in my head. And I think that that imagination and creativity really sparked the, the love and joy for wanting to get better and put in these moves to be, you know, like those guys. Yeah, for sure. By your freshman year of high school, apparently you were six seven, so you were a post player. You were a guy who was, you know, the person that the other players could feed on the post. You became your high school's all-time leading scorer. You were the Gatorade Player of the Year mm -hmm. in Washington D.C. So you were a four-star recruit out of high school, and I know you had a lot of college offers: Georgetown, Georgia, Notre Dame, some big-name schools. But you chose Iowa. And Iowa was there at the beginning. Was that like the first school or one of the first to officially offer you a scholarship? Yeah, it was one of the first. It was the fourth to be exact, but uh, the first high major school um, to really show you know huge interest and offer me. Um, and especially at that time, you know, my freshman year in high school, I was six seven, but I couldn't dunk, and uh, you know, I only averaged four points a game. And you know, we played in the state championship, and I didn't even sub in. So you know, for me, it started off a little slow, and then my so my freshman to sophomore summer, I had a huge jump and that's when I started getting interest and I got my first offer in that that summer uh, or that you know summer leading into my sophomore year um, to Binghamton University in New York and then you know going through that year you know people were a lot of people were starting to you know see me and notice me but a lot of people were doubting my athleticism my ability to run and get to end to end and you know they thought I was too slow and then 
you know, I was coming back from a surgery and it was one of the first weekends I was playing and I was playing uh, um, in, a, in a tournament where there was, a, it was a dead period, so no coaches could be there. Uh, but I was playing against all Iowa attack and Connor McCaffrey was on that team. So coach Fran McCaffrey could come to the game when no other coaches could because he was watching his son play. And uh, so for us in the huddle before the game, they're saying, hey, you know, I know there's no coach supposed to be here, but we have one because we're playing against Connor McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey's going to be here from Iowa. Like this is a big opportunity, and you know, it was one of my first games back. I hadn't played in a couple months, but you know, I was able to go out there and play pretty well. And and I saw that, you know, he kind of was watching me and liked my game. And then you know, fast forward a, like a month, and I was playing in a, a camp. And uh, again, no coaches could be there, but Connor was invited to the <laughs> camp as well. So Fran was on Convenient. the sideline, uh, you know, being able. And then I noticed, you know, I'm, I'm like. I'm not playing against Connor. Why is coach at every one of my games? You know, he, you know, Connor's playing on the other side of the court. Um, you know, and and he's watching me. Why is that? And you know, I kind of got to know Connor at the camp and stuff like that. And he kind of told me like, hey, I think my dad's gonna offer you and all this stuff. And I'm like, no way. And and I, you know, that's when it started. And after that weekend, he offered me a full scholarship. We had a huge, you know, one hour and two hour talk on the phone, kind of going through everything of what he sees in my game. What do you? what he likes about it and how yeah, I can fit into Iowa's system. Mm -hmm. And so he really just had a head start on all the other programs because, you know, no one really came around to the end of my uh, junior year going into my senior year summer, 17U, my last year at AAU. That's when all the bigger programs came around, mm -hmm. you know, Louisville, Notre Dame, Georgetown. And uh, for me, it just in the end, I, I rewarded the loyalty of Coach Fran being there the whole time and the relationship we had built. I'd already visited a couple of times and, you know, I knew, you know, there was uh, maybe some bigger name schools, um, you know, that, that were out there that I could have gotten offers from or could have went to. But for me, um, I knew there was no better place for me than Iowa. Seems to have worked out. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned a couple of times that you had a surgery, and I assume this is the one you're talking about before your sophomore season at Iowa. Um, you had a CT scan where they found a benign cyst on yes. your spleen, and I had read this cyst weighed 12 pounds and had a gallon and a half of fluid inside of it. You needed a surgery to uh, to take it out, and it was everything was successful. But um, looking back, how serious and potentially scary was that situation? Yeah, that was uh, it was crazy. You know, I think my senior year in high school, I started to notice kind of like a bump on my abdomen. You know, I had abs, but I had one of my abs was kind of like sticking out a little more. And, I didn't really know what it was. And when I first got to Iowa, I was kind of asking around and no one kind of knew. They thought maybe I had some weird bone structure. And then, you know, cause I had no pain in that area. And, um, you know, I had, I ended up finding out I had pain in my shoulder. It was referred pain cause it was really the size of a collegiate volleyball in my, you know, stomach, abdomen, Think pushing on everything. And, and so I started having pain here. And then, uh, you know, one summer going into my sophomore year, like you said, um, I just started having like the worst pain in that area in my abdomen. I couldn't like, you know, sleep straightened up. I had to like curl and, and uh, so I was like, I gotta get this checked out. And we went, you know, I was really lucky to be at Iowa because one of the best surgeons in the world for this kind of surgery was right there, uh, Dr. Rob Howe. And uh, so we got this done, obviously, you know, with the surgery, there was, you know, fear I could lose my spleen because it, uh, it, was, it was connected to my spleen. So mm -hmm. this big, uh, big uh, cyst was connected, you know, to my spleen, so they had to, get it out without losing my spleen and you know if my spleen had um, you know if if I had been hit before and my spleen had ruptured you know I, I was yeah. you know, in risk of you know death you know and uh and, and the surgery you know everything went well and and I was really lucky and you know I went from not knowing if I was going to play that year uh, to you know being back on the court in a month and a half two months and 
uh, not missing you know many games that year at all. And uh, you know, I think two months later we were in Madison Square Garden. I was a you know MVP of the 2K Classic, and so that was kind of a crazy moment in my life to kind of get through that. Yeah, to get as far as you did so quickly. Absolutely. That's really incredible. I wanted to ask you about a game your junior season at Iowa. It was against Iowa State when you took an elbow from a teammate, yeah. obviously inadvertent elbow, but you took it in the face and you went down, you had blood everywhere. I was watching the video of it this morning. It was scary to watch, but you had a cut on your lip. You had um, stitches at halftime. You had four stitches at halftime and then you came back and played in this game in the second half. What was that whole ordeal like? Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. You know, there's a couple of different games that are thrown in there because I got hit in the, the face and mouth so much. Uh, so we had like a Thanksgiving tournament against Texas Tech and I got elbowed uh, on the lip and kind of split my lip in uh, the middle of the second half. And I had to go back there and, and they were like, you know, we got to get stitches on this thing. And they were like, do, do we want uh, do you want to get numbed up or anything like that? I'm like, you know, we got to get back out there because, you know, it was coming down the stretch in the game. So, you know, they just kind of did it real quick and obviously, you know, biting on a towel and got through it and they was able to go back in the game. We won. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later when this was starting to heal up, you know, I got knocked by a teammate in the, the tooth. And at first, I you know, I thought I lost my tooth because um, my tooth kind of went backwards and I, I didn't know what was going on. And we're all like looking on the ground for it and no one knew. But uh, <laughs> I was, for your yeah, I was able to make it through the rest of that game. And, you know, I tried to start wearing a mouth guard and, and you know, I, I think I screamed too much because every time I yell and play with emotion, I just it slips out of my mouth. So, yeah. uh, you know, it didn't end up working out for me. But, you know, I think for me, I'm always uh, I've always been a physical player and, and you know, I, I don't mind um, getting in. Um, you know, deep with all, everybody and kind of just banging around whatever you have to do um, to kind of get rebounds and play in the post and, you know, kind of mix it up. So you're always at risk for elbows and different stuff like that. And I've always been a guy who's who plays through all that stuff and, and wants to be out yeah. there and help the team win. So I might have combined two stories there of the cut yes. lip, and <laughs> nearly lost a tooth, and the yeah, elbow. Yeah, you talk to my my trainer uh, at the University of Iowa, Brad Floyd, he, he'd give you a, you know, a list of probably 15 of different mm -hmm. moments like that. And uh, it, yeah. <laughs> but you must consider yourself a tough guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you took stitches at halftime with no pain. I think anybody who plays, so play anybody plays in the Big Ten, I think you're a tough guy for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, you had you had a fantastic junior year at Iowa named College Center of the Year. The award they actually called the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Best College Center of the Year Award. And he sent you a congratulatory video, a personalized congratulatory video from Kareem. Yes. What was it like for you to watch that and hear him talking to you? Yeah, that, it, it was incredible. And I, I think uh, that was one of the craziest moments in my life for sure. Um, you know, it was it was COVID um, during that period. So I think in, in other years, um, you actually go get to go to a um, you know, kind of one of those events where they give you the trophy and you actually get to meet Kareem. So I kind of fell short of that. But after I won it my senior year again, um, I get to got to get on a Zoom call with him. So I was able to talk with him for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, ask him a bunch of questions. You know, he had watched me play a bunch, um, obviously, since he had got to know me from the year before winning the same award. So, you know, both of those, you know, the video is incredible because I'll always be able to look back at that yeah. and, and watch that and show, you know, uh, my family and everything like that um, because that's, you know, that's who my dad and my grandpa, you know, that's who they were showing me when I was a kid. And, and uh, you know, they I just heard so many stories of him and just to be able to talk to him and obviously the leading scorer in the NBA, uh, not for long, but, 
you know, it, it was it was an incredible moment. Did you tell him you used to watch VHS tapes of him and Absolutely. mimic his moves? Yes, yeah? yes. I, I actually, you know, my senior year when I got to talk to him, I asked him a bunch, bunch of questions on the sky hook because um, that's something that I've tried to add to my game. I'm more of a jump hook player um, by trade, but I think um, the sky hook is you know one of the most unguardable shots that, mm-hmm. that's ever been, you know, shot. And I think for me, that's something I'm really working on adding into my game. It's been something I've been working on for you know, a very, very long time because it's, you know, it's one of those where my dad's always telling me, shoot the sky hook, shoot the sky hook. And it, uh, you know, I'm starting to get comfortable with it. So we might see it. Yes. <laughs> we might see it. You ended up um, returning to Iowa for your se- senior season, even though you had put your name in the draft. I had read you had a lucrative European contract on the table that you also walked away from in order to go back to Iowa. But again, a weird time. Didn't know if there would be a season or how much of a season with all of the COVID things going on. How tough of a decision was it for you ultimately with all of that to return to Iowa to play one more year? You know, when I really sat down and and thought about it, you know, at first it was a little tough just knowing, you know, there was some interest in the NBA um, from different teams, you know, whether it be a two-way contract or whatever um, to kind of start developing and stuff like that you know I think that was something that really piqued my interest and as you said there was you know a lot of money on the table from you know places overseas but uh, for me once I really sat down and thought about it you know it wasn't really that hard of a decision Um, you know I think going back with the team that we had and the potential we had as a team to you know come back and make a run uh, for me I owed it to coach for you know believing in me since I you know I was a sophomore and in high school to kind of see it through and finish my career and and uh, I, there was more on the table that I hadn't accomplished as a team and both as an individual and so I wanted to make sure I came back and, and left no stone unturned uh, so for me it was the best decision I could have made um, you know obviously with COVID it was a little different we didn't have the fans there but you know I wouldn't trade that year for mm-hmm. anything else you know you know obviously we didn't make it as far as we wanted to but the memories that I made with my teammates and, and the moments out there and and some of the different stuff is, you know, something I'll never, never forget, and I'll always remember. And you had a prolific senior season too. Um, won the Naismith Trophy, won the John Wooden Award, and you had written an acceptance message, I guess, for the uh, John Wooden Player of the Year Award. And in that message, you had said your grandpa was friends with John Wooden, and your grandpa had told you a lot about John Wooden, and that you said you'd read a lot of his books and studied the pyramid. Absolutely. So your grandfather was friends with John Wood. Yeah, my my dad and grandpa actually had been on, you know, one of his like famous walks. He used to, you know, walk all the time and bring people with him and, and talk to them and kind of go through everything. And, you know, him and my grandfather from being kind of coaches around the California area, um, just kind of hit it off and they yeah, they were really good friends. And so for me that was a it was almost a bigger uh, award for my grandpa than it was for anything. Like I was more excited to call him and tell him that I had won that award uh, than for me to get it myself, just because I knew how much that meant to him. Um, and so we, you know, it was it was truly, you know, it was something that, you know, uh, it's kind of surreal when you have moments like that. And for me, you know, when I was a sophomore in high school, we went to the Final Four, my dad and I, and um, I was able to see, you know, Frank Kaminsky accept the National Player of the Year award mm-hmm. and. Kind of watching that moment, um, and then fast forwarding, I you know really never thought I'd be in that position. It never really was, you know, even you know kind of on my mind. I just wanted to always you know, work as hard as I could and become the best player I could. Um, but to see you know what you know hard work could you know bring me uh, was was pretty incredible. Yeah.
That's really cool. You ended up drafted in 2021 in the second round by Detroit and played a handful of games, actually 16 games in their G League for the Motor City Cruise. You were uh, on the all-rookie team in the G League and actually played 32 games for the Pistons, Mm -hmm. started five games. How much of a difference do you feel like it was to get to the NBA game for you? How big of a leap or not did your game really need to take in order for you to play on that level with those players? You know, it, it definitely is a big difference. And I think the, the biggest, hardest part about, you know, kind of making that transition is the mental side of it, of everyone on your team was the, the man on their college team. So you have to be able to find a way to go in the game and not force anything, but you have to be yourself. You know, you have to do what got you there. And uh, you have to be able to find a way to impact the game um, in your own way. So for me, that was the, the hardest part at first, was kind of getting used to, you know, not just being okay being out there and just wanting to be solid, but actually going out there and trying to, you know, impact the game mm-hmm. and, and be myself and, you know, score the ball or do whatever I do, um, you know, to kind of help the team win. So for me, it took me a little bit to kind of understand that. And for me, last year, um, you know, when, when COVID happened, you know, I was able to start those games that you were talking about and, you know, play you know, 30, 40 minutes a game. And I think that's when the, the whole game kind of started to slow down for me. And I understood, uh, you know, where I can really uh, benefit from, where I can help the team at. And, uh, you know, that was the biggest thing for me last year was just getting those reps because um, there's nothing like it, you know, to be able to play at that level in the bright mm-hmm. lights and play 40 minutes and kind of understand everything. And you just kind of I gained a lot of experience there. And I think that's what's kind of helped me this year, too, is just knowing that I've, I've kind of been here before uh, when your you know name gets called at a random moment, you're suddenly starting um, or you know playing or coming off the bench or whatever it is. Um, so I've, I've, I've experienced that before. So for me, that that helped me a lot going into this year. And then with Minnesota, you started the season in the G League, probably not where you wanted to be, but there's valuable experience to be had down there. And you showed your skill, too. You were the November player of the month in all of the G League. So you must have been able to show your game a little bit. Plus, Des Moines, Iowa City, it's like a two-hour drive, so I'm guessing it you had the comforts of home a little bit or the uh, Hawkeye fans behind you a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. And my, my point guard from college, Jordan Mohanna, is down there in Iowa as well playing with the Wolves. So, you know, we kind of drew a pretty good crowd of Hawk fans. And, <laughs> and uh, so that was, you know, fun to be down there. But for me going into this year, you know, I, I really didn't know where I'd be. Um, you know, I, I signed an Exhibit 10 contract. I'd, uh, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make the team or not. I kind of had to come in here and work as hard as I could and show what I could do to kind of be able to stay with the Timberwolves. Uh, so for me, in the beginning of the year, being sent to the G League, you know, I, I uh, you know, I wanted to be down there and show that you know I can make an impact up here mm-hmm. and uh, kind of show what I've been working on and how I've developed my game. And you know, uh, Coach Newton's done such a great job down there, just kind of making it really sim- similar to up here. We go through the same sets, you know, the pregame, everything is is all the same. We went through training camp down here; it's very similar to up here, and so that kind of prepares you uh, when your name gets called up here to be ready. I um, mean, you've seen that with Wendell, you know, getting. You know, starting mm-hmm. a couple games yeah. and doing really well. It's it's because you know we were so prepared by being down there. Um, so you know, being down in Des Moines was fun to kind of be able to play in Iowa again. You know, obviously I hadn't played in front of fans my senior year, so you know a lot of the fans came out to see me play. Um, you know, and it was it was really fun. Um, but you no, know, I'm excited to be up here now and kind of doing whatever I can to help. Well, you've gotten a little bit of run with the Timberwolves. Your best game with this squad happens to be against the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. where by halftime and in fact in your first 11 or in your first 5 minutes 
you had 11 points. Mm -hmm. You were four for four from the field. And as we sit here taping this episode of this show, it happens to be last night that you had this game. What was that like for you to be able to show Timberwolves fans on their home court, really for the first time, this is what my game can look like? It was awesome. You know, I knew, you know, my name was going to be called and, and Nas wasn't playing. So I knew I'd uh, kind of earned an opportunity there from the last couple of games playing against Milwaukee and Denver uh, where I'd done pretty well. And I think that's where I kind of made the, you know, kind of the step over was like, OK, now I'm ready to go. And, and so coming out there, I just wanted to be, you know, myself and I wanted to be aggressive. And, you know, I saw some opportunities out there and, you know, I think I've started to gain some of the trust of my teammates to, to put me in positions to score. And, and they did a great job of finding me where, you know, I was open and stuff like that. And you know, I just tried to make the right play with the ball in my hands. And um, for me, you know, it, it was definitely fun uh, to be able to go out there and be with those guys on that home court and, and show what I can do. Like you said, you know, I haven't had a game like that at home. So it, it was definitely fun. And for me, um, it just gives me confidence knowing that, you know, I belong at this level. I can be a guy that can help and impact the team uh, at the NBA level. And, um, you know, I'm just going to continue to work. And whenever my opportunity comes, I'm just going to try to be ready for it like I was last night. You hit your first three. It was from the left wing. Mm-hmm. Zero hesitation, all net. And your reaction, you gave us a little three. You get big smile. The bench went crazy. That was really, as a fan watching it, that was really a moment of joy. I can only imagine how much joy you had inside you living that. For sure. You know, I had, uh, you know, preseason I shot the ball well, and in the G League I shot it really well. And so I hadn't gotten one to get down in a uh, regular season game yet. So it definitely felt good to get the first yeah. one down. That was fun to see. I want to ask you about your dad, Frank, because he's been at a lot of games, not just home games. He's been at a lot of road games as well. Um, he kind of built a little bit of fame for himself in the NCAA tournament when you played at Iowa. It was your junior year playing against Tennessee and he wore a, a little microphone mm-hmm. for the TV broadcast. And one of the things he yelled out as a fan, as a parent, just watching this NCAA tournament game <laughs> was, you gotta let the peacock fly, which took on a life of its own. Um, the meaning behind this phrase was it something that you and your dad used before that moment in time, or did that just somehow blurt out of his mouth during a game? You know, my dad, you know, in general, he just, you know, he says a lot of things, you know, anything that comes to his head, he, he says most of the time, and he, and he says it in such a, such a drawing way that you kind of want to hear what he's talking about. And uh, so I think, I don't know whether it came from the other guys and, you know, that movie with Will Ferrell that we had watched a bunch of, bunch of time or whatever, um, but I think he just, you know, kind of wanted me to go out there and, and show what I could do. So that was kind of the meaning behind it. Um, but I hadn't heard that one before. And, and so it, it definitely took a life on its own. You know, he was able to, you know, he sold some T-shirts the next year um, and raised a lot of money and was able to donate, um, you know, all of it uh, to some of the teachers in Iowa and stuff like that. Um, so he, it was definitely really cool. And, you know, it brought him some, you know, Twitter fame, and now he's, you know, always tweeting and stuff like that. You know, he's more active <laughs> on social media than I am. But, uh, no, he, he, it's definitely been incredible. And, you know, it, honestly, in, in Iowa, he really did kind of make a name for himself. You know, people would come up, and you know, I'd be sitting down eating lunch with him in, in Iowa City, and, and I think they're coming to ask me for a picture, and they're asking him for a picture. I, you know, it was kind of a humbling moments like that. But, no, it's it's – it's been awesome for him, him to kind of share uh, my journey with me um, because he did so much to be able to, to get me here. You know, he's, he's dedicated his life to, 
you know, wanting to see me excel and, and, and become the best basketball player I can be. And, uh, you know, he's he was at every game that I played in college and, you know, maybe outside of maybe um, two. Um, and and mm -hmm. here in the NBA, he hasn't missed many either. Um, and, and this year he's been, in the, you know, on the road in the G League watching me play at home. You know, obviously here and, and on the road in the NBA, he tries to make every game that he can. And he ends up, you know, he's probably 90% on, on the games that he attends. He's always there. Um, so, you know, it's definitely comforting to always be able to look in the stands and see him there. Um, and because, you know, he's he's been through me, been, been with me through everything, you know, uh, all of the work that we put in over the summers, you know, to since high school to improve and improve and improve to finally get here. And, uh, you know, we're not done yet. I feel like that mantra is pretty appropriate for him because he is a very confident, colorful kind mm -hmm. of character. And so let the peacock fly. For sure. Kind of fits him. It By definitely the way, does. And I went to that website and it's t-shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of merchandise and memorabilia. <laughs> Absolutely. That thing, yeah. that thing sells itself. Oh, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, I know you've had a lot of support from your parents throughout your career, your mom as well. And I had read that your mom works as an executive assistant at the embassy of Bosnia and Herzegovina in yes. Washington, D.C. Yeah, so she 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 worked there for, um, she just recently stopped working there, but she worked there for a very long time. And that kind of helped build my connection, you know, um, with you know my roots in, in Bosnia and obviously you know, I was really lucky and fortunate to go over there every summer as a kid. Like, you know, as soon as school would end, I'd be over there, you know, see my aunts and cousins in Italy, and then we'd go to Sarajevo and then Croatia. So it just really, um, you know, helped me with that process. And it definitely made it easier for me to help get my, you know, a dual citizenship to be, become a citizen of Bosnia as well as a citizen of the United States. So um, I hope to play for the national team in the future and stuff like that. But, you know, um, she's always kind of help me remind me of where I you know come from and in and, and my family over there so maybe the Bosnian national team oh absolutely yeah. that's that's my goal um, is, is figuring that out uh, for the future and, and finding the right time to go over there and, and play and, and help them win yeah your birthday is uh, December 27 mm -hmm. you just turned 24 mm -hmm. years old happy belated birthday thank you what was it like as a kid growing up with a birthday that is two days after Christmas? <laughs> My parents did a really good job of kind of separating the two. You know, I understand we had Christmas and, you know, so my gifts didn't all get, kind of get put into one. So I, I had like kind of a separate, you know, birthday and they kind of always, you know, I'd have all my presents for Christmas and, you know, my, my birthday present was always kind of a trip to see the Wizards play. Um, so it was oh. always fun for me to go uh, watch those games and at the old Verizon Center, now the Capital One Arena. Um, but, you know, they always did a good job. And, you know, I love the holidays. It's a, you know, you get Christmas, birthday, and then New Year's, you know, kind of all in a week or so. So it's a, it's a fun time. And birthday wrapping paper for the birthday gifts. Yes. Christmas wrapping paper for exactly. the Christmas gifts. And don't mix the two. For right? sure. You know, they say, you know, they're all marked. So when they're, they were under the tree as a kid, it was like, this one's for the birthday, this one's for Christmas. Okay. And so the birthday one stayed there. Okay. So I got, you know, my own day on, on the 27th. It's a lot in one week. <laughs> yeah. A lot in one absolutely. week. Absolutely. All right. We're going to end with five questions, just kind of random questions to hear a little bit more about your personality. What is your least favorite food? Grape leaves. I'm so sorry, grape? Grape leaves. Leaves. Yes, so like stuffed grape leaves, like 
I think uh, is a great belief. It's uh, it's a. I think it's a traditionally. It's an Eastern European okay. thing. Uh, okay. Like my family has made it before, and that's my favorite type of food is Bosnian food and whatever my grandma and mom would cook. Um, but they tried to make me eat grape leaves, and that was not. No go. Yeah, they kind of like stuff it with different stuff, and they do the same thing with stuffed cabbage, and I like that. But when you use grape leaves, I'm, I'm not a fan. No. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Are you a more of a morning person or more of a night owl? I think I'm a little bit of both. I, I think more of a night owl, you know, kind of especially after a game, it takes me a while to kind of yeah. wind out and be able to go to sleep. And um, and I think I get it from my dad's definitely a night owl, so I get it from him. But I have no problem with early mornings either. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled with cheese. Scrambled with cheese. Yes. <laughs> Nothing else. Oh, on the ham, side, I, you know, ham or whatever on the side, um, you know, sausage, bacon, whatever yeah, it is, but some potatoes. Perfect but for you is scrambled cheese. cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any superstitions? I think you know my biggest one now. Um, you know, I think is meditation. You know, I think I always, I always meditate before a game. Um, my dad and his business partner, who's a Sikh, kind of put me on to meditation my junior year of college, and I th that's where I kind of saw the biggest jump in my game on the mental side of it, to, to be present in the moment. Um, and, and that was something I always struggled with early because I'm, I'm overthinker, you know, so when I get oh. out there sometimes I'm not, I'm thinking too much and you can see it. Uh, but meditation is something that helped me slow down. So for me, meditation is, you know, the biggest thing I do on a game day. So that'd be my superstition. And they always say the mental side of the game is so important. So yes, yeah, I would imagine there's a lot sure. of value there. How do you take your coffee? I don't. <laughs> I don't no usually coffee. drink drink coffee. I started drinking f for the first time last year a little bit, but I've kind of resorted to more like uh, pregame. I would do it just kind of wake me up a little bit. Um, but now it's more of a you know pre workout or some sort of energy drink instead of coffee. So uh, you know my family is a lot of coffee drinkers, especially you know my mom and the European side of my family. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I'm not. A, I'm not a coffee guy. Not now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the future. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you, Luca. Thank it's you. been really nice to, to chat with you and get to know you a little bit. Best of luck this season. It's fun to watch your game. It's going to be fun to watch your game grow. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you.